0: Hi everybody, thanks for joining me on this Friday afternoon, April 29th, here in the locker room. I'm Alan Locker. We're gathering here today to celebrate the life of the beloved and talented Lisa Brown. Lisa was a star of stage and screen, but most of us know her best for the two iconic characters she created. Nola Reardon on Guiding Light and Iva Snyder from As the World Turns. Some of my earliest memories are of Lisa, John Wesley Shipp, and Maeve Kincaid on Guiding Light. Helping to honor Lisa today are her friend, co-star, and on-screen daughter Martha Byrne, along with Guiding Light's Maeve Kincaid, John Wesley Shipp, As the World Turns Actors William Fickner and Ann Sayer. and joining them are Emmy Award-winning producer Michael Lapson and Emmy Award-winning writer Patrick Mulcahy. Please welcome Martha, Maeve, John Wesley, William, and Michael and Patrick to the locker room.
1: Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone.
0: Uh, I will just say, John, I think will be joining us momentarily. Thank you all for being here to talk about Lisa. I've said it to many of you, Lisa was iconic in so many ways. The fans from the moment I started this show have been asking for Lisa to sit right here. And sadly, uh, that never happened. So today is really truly a tribute to her and, and 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 the legacy she left behind. I'd love to start by, you know, asking you all what your earliest memory or first memory of Lisa is. Martha?
2: Hi, everybody. Um, this is going to be tough, but um, I think I'll never forget because Doug Marland, the incredible Douglas Marland, said, I want you to meet somebody. Come over here. And there she was, her hair was like yellow, blonde, like long. And she was smoking a cigarette and put out the cigarette, like, you know, Olivia Newton, John from Grease Lightning.
3: <laughs> and
2: she said, this is going to be your mother. And I went, okay. So I was 15 and that was my first impression of her was like, you know, commanding the room, commanding the the, the studio. It was in the studio, in studio we were shooting at the time. And, uh, It was just, uh, I'll never forget it. I'll
4: never forget it. Maeve? (laughs) Well, um, I think my first memory of Lisa was when I didn't even know who she was. But the corridors on 26th Street were long and dark. And I was passing, trying to find my way to the rehearsal room. And this small figure passed me, approached me. And I had a very strong impression of two things, power and huge eyes, just huge <laughs> eyes that I felt I could fall <laughs> into. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I sort of thought, I hope I get to work with this person. That was my first, I didn't know who she was, but that was
5: Lisa. Love that.
0: Bill for you. Uh,
5: well, when I went on the show and I, I went on is, is, is Martha Byrne's dad, and uh, which I always thought was interesting, because we're so close in age. Um, and uh, I saw Lisa after I was hired, I think, because... And she... Um, uh, I think the first thing she said to me was, you're awfully young to be her dad. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you're her mom, so... Uh, <laughs> At least they're evening it out it's kind of like the happy days thing if everybody's 25 you can play high school um <laughs> but uh, uh I'll, I'll have more to share in, in time yeah
0: okay that's what
6: I Pat, patrick you know the first time i was exposed to lisa I, it was not lisa in the flesh i had I think I've told you this before, Alan, that I was writing plays in New Orleans and somebody called me up and said, how'd you like to write for Search for Tomorrow? And I said, sure, what is it? And I just <laughs> lucked into this job um, when I had been making like less than $9,000 a year. Um, and uh, I they had me watch the show and, search for tomorrow. And then the the team, the Corringtons that took me with them to Texas and another world, which we spun off of, uh, we spun off Texas from another world. And I, I just had the impression that soaps were, forgive me, everybody, really stagely, stagey and kind of flat and um, not very credible. Then everybody got fired from Texas, but me and Proctor and, oh, well, I got, They wanted me to go work with this man named Douglas Marland in Connecticut. Uh, I was living in New Orleans. And um, it turned out they had been begging him to hire somebody to work with him. He wrote all the outlines and edited all the scripts by himself. So they thought maybe this guy will help Douglas out and... I didn't know from Guiding Light, but I agreed to hop on a plane and go meet Douglas, and which I did in his beautiful home in um, New Canaan. And he said, well, let me show you a little bit of what we're doing on the show. And he put in a, a, a tape, one of those big ass tapes that we used to have. <laughs> and uh, it was um, I don't know if it was a scene that hadn't aired yet or. And I can't remember what the, it was Floyd, the guy uh, who played Floyd Floyd and Nola in the front seat of his car. And I guess he was either professing love or asking her to marry him or something. And Nola was, he, he was saying, gee, I feel so funny talking to you about this. I couldn't even eat over dinner. And Nola's like, what's the matter, Floyd? Did your tapeworm run out on you? Anybody else remember that scene? Anyway, I had never seen anything like that. I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen anybody <laughs> behave that way. I thought, holy crap, this is a lot more like theater than I thought it was going to be. And I said, Douglas, who is that woman? And he said, well, come work with me and you'll know. I love that. Anne?
7: Hi.
3: Um,
7: yeah. So my first memory of Lisa, I didn't actually get to act with her really. I think maybe we did a couple of scenes like weddings or something where she appeared, but um, you know, early on, I was working a lot with Martha and my first impression with, with, of her was she would sometimes hang out on the set with, with Martha and she was so, fiercely protective of Martha. And I was like the new, this new girl and I was terrified of her. <laughs> I I was terrified of her. I felt like she was um, testing me. Like, mm. are you going to do right by my friend? And And she was <laughs> there to, you know, make sure that I was... Okay, I guess. Um, and then uh, I, I just I spent a couple of years being really scared of her. Okay. I and um and then uh, one day we were doing an event. Uh, it was the um, the, the strike uh, stars and strikes event. And I had a really bad migraine. And Lisa sat down next to me like we were best friends and I was still scared. And she said, you have a migraine? Give me your hand. And she just started giving me a massage in my hand and she made my headache go away. And she made me cry uh, with her kindness. And I, and, and, and I think it was also relief (laughs) because I was scared of her and she, you know, finally it was sort of like, she was like, she broke no the ice. Okay, yeah. She broke
0: the she broke the ice. Yeah, M- Michael, for you. Um, what I remember as a
1: first meeting is Lisa and I both started on guiding light around the same time. Um, she was obviously who she is. Uh, I was at that time. We were called secretaries. Now they're called coordinators. I had no knowledge or anything about soaps and was taking a job as a temp initially and uh, had never seen one in my life. Had done plenty of making fun of them, um, (laughs) but uh, loved it, actually, as soon as I started working. Loved it. I was. Yeah, I loved it. And Lisa started and she, I remember her coming into the office on 26th Street and um, and introducing herself and already knowing my name. And we had not met, but she already knew who I was and I was just a beginner. She was one of the actors. Um, And she was Delightful. She was ballsy. I don't know if we can use that term anymore, but she was definitely that. And she was very full of life and she was very funny. And, uh, we got along famously and became friends. Um, and then as I moved up the ranks, um, the work relationship certainly changed. Uh, the friendship just continued to grow. So, that's my story.
0: That, that is a great story. Um, and, and that was, you know, your, your earliest memory. Do you, do you have a favorite memory personally or professionally? All of you, personally or professionally with Lisa, Maeve?
4: Well, there, there are many memories. You know, she and I were friends, and um, I'm sorry that she's not here now. Um, but I think one of the the ways that I felt about her um, was her her pride, her commitment, her loyalty, her her uh, her sort of uncompromising sense of what what she felt was excellent and what was true. Yeah. And um, she was also very funny and naughty, as everybody knows. But
0: (laughs) um,
4: the the time as
0: as was (laughs) Nola. Oh
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. The the time I had the the most amazing experience was when we were we were both unfortunately wore the same dress, the Scarlet O'Hara dress. (laughs) The thing about that scene was that Bobby Anton had done these amazing creations and we, we blocked it and then we came up to this uh, stage floor, but we couldn't really do it until we did it because we had to rip everything off and we couldn't put it back together again. (laughs) So it was, it was one shot kind of deal. But I remember Lisa looking at me and I was looking at Lisa. It was like, Let's go, let's <laughs> go, and it just flew. It was like one, two, three, up in the air, rip, 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 down, down, round, down, did it. And I, that was a, that was in large part because of her. I mean, she had that dance training; she was precise. But it was also, let's go get them, and it was a perfect, it was a perfect pairing. And it was, you know, Doug as well of those those two very different characters.
0: Um,
6: I remember that scene.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So it, th- th- there isn't a a soul who watched Guiding Light who doesn't remember that scene.
4: Yeah, it was so much fun, and we wanted to kind of do it again, but we couldn't. <laughs> so, and personally. Uh, you know, she and I used to talk on the phone a fair amount and I would, I would always sense when the conversation was going to end. And then I would hear her say, well, I've got to get going. And she was gone. Um, she had a lot of things she wanted to accomplish in her life. And um, she had time for friendship. Deep friendships, but she also had a lot of plans and a lot of ambitions. Um, so that's my story.
6: Absolutely,
0: Bill. A favorite memory personally or professionally with Lisa? Did you ask me? I did. Sorry, yes.
5: Oh, okay, it's, it's kind of crackling up a little bit, so I didn't hear that. Yes, I, um. Well, I have many, you know, Lisa was, um, very intense and, and she could be explosive, but I, I remember when I went on as the world turns, everything eventually was leading up to the fact of finding out that I was Lily's dad and that was going to happen with Lisa. I think in, in Elizabeth Hubbard's barn where I lived, I was the misunderstood farmhand and, um, uh, I remember when we were rehearsing that, that, that moment because it was, you know, I was really excited about it because it, it was a really charged moment, um, uh, you know, for a couple of actors that really wanted to dive into it. We, certain Doug certainly gave us a, a lot to do that day, but I remember we were staging it and Lisa picks up a pitchfork, um, and I remember thinking... You're gonna put a pitchfork in her hand. She's she's very excitable. Um. So, uh, that was a, that was pretty memorable because I remember thinking. I mean, when I went on the show, I didn't know it, it was we were gonna hit such high, dramatic tension, um, which we did, and more than once. Uh, we were given material like that, and that was, yeah, uh, uh, you know, I, I still remember that day. Me too.
0: Yeah. Patrick, a favorite memory personally or professionally?
6: Well, there are quite a few, I guess. Uh, my my uh, experiences of Lisa and of Nola are not the same, obviously. Um, <laughs> I remember having lunch with Lisa with her purple hair and in, in the city when we were visiting and she was, um, I, I guess it was uh, Martha who said her her standards of what was excellent were really clear and deeply held, and we could have discussions about books, movies, television, uh, other writers' work, and she would be very uh, clear and have really illuminated. Um, illuminating thoughts about um, all of it. But what, it's so strange to be differently affected by how an actor interprets a character, but I was with her because she did something with Nola that was like, an investigation of life it was like she it was like nola was trying to put together how people live like she was an alien from another planet or something and trying very various different approaches to see if they would work and when they did or when they didn't she would adjust course and try a new investigation. And it was like, she was assembling the pieces of how to be a person from the, um, what the elements and materials available all around her, the way a bird builds a nest or something. It was just extraordinary. Her depth of engagement with this fictional material. And you know, I. I kind of sometimes made fun of Douglas for say for his dialogue, which I would I would kid him would be like one of the hallmarks would be four character names in a sentence. Um, gee, I saw Vanessa told me that Nola got a ride home from Trudy's with <laughs> with Toby and the. And the viewers would be right at home going, she did not, she lied that bitch. She <laughs> <talked."> <laughs> and they, it was very successful at, at, at bringing the audience into the web of the show, the way it was knit together. And Lisa knew how to do that. Lisa knew how to do those four character, those four character names in one sentence, like it was Shakespeare. Like it was iambic pentameter. <laughs> uh, so you know, i had I had an epiphany every time I saw her on the screen. To be honest with you, it was every time was a, like a peak experience of something new that she was showing me about how people can be.
0: And and I, and I believe she showed it to every fan watching here today, and who who grew up watching her on both shows. Michael, a favorite memory. Uh,
1: yeah, I've, I've got a couple, actually. Uh, one has to do in general with her professionalism.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, fortunately, everybody on the show was pretty damn professional, which uh, I worked on shows where that was not the case. <laughs> so I appreciate that from all of you. But she was so meticulously professional. It was important for her not only to be the best she could, possibly could be, but she really took responsibility for creating that character in such a way that it would make sense to everybody who was watching and she would demand understanding. Um, She never, that I can remember, ever complained about something she was asked to do, but she would spend a lot of time asking about interpretations of things and was open to some of them and was, "Mm -mm, that's not it, on other ones. And uh, she created an enormous trust between us who were trying to help create the character that she had been taking from the words of Patrick and the others. And I appreciate, Patrick, how you explained how she went about trying to create this character. I think that's absolutely right and definitely how a writer would understand it. Um, So that's what I remember generally. Uh, She never fought us, ever. On a personal level, um, while I was working on, while I was producing As the World Turns, um, I, I arranged for... Uh, flu shots to be available to everybody that season. The flu was really bad and nobody had time to go get a flu shot So, and I decided that I might as well have one. Uh, I had never had one before and about two and a half weeks later I was completely paralyzed and uh, had no feeling in my body whatsoever. I couldn't tell that I was lying on a bed and um, And I was hospitalized, obviously. Uh, Life was, you know, carried on through mechanics um, until finally it started to dissipate. But um, Lisa came at least once a week to visit me in the hospital and always brought something to do or something to read to me or... She would share with me a lot of gossip, which was cool. Um, she was, she made me feel so loved. Um, and I needed that like crazy at that point. Uh, we all need it all the time, actually. But, um,
0: well, well just, Maeve, Maeve said uh, it, you know, she, she was a great friend. You know, great, she really. Great. Friend. A great friend. Um,
1: so I feel, yeah, we, we've lost somebody that was really important to each of us on a personal level, not just a professional one.
0: And
7: Yeah. Um, the thing I think about most when I think about a memorable moment uh, was when I was working on Gotham with, with Martha and, and uh, Lisa was directing. And... Um, I was completely shocked by her skill as a director. Um, I worked with many directors over my career. And I was like, after the first take, the first uh, directing that she did in the first scene, I, I thought to myself, this is the best director I've ever worked with and it's almost like you know i just learned how to act like she just taught me how to act in a new way and um i used to tell her all the time uh you know i need you you need to be my personal director not just for not just for acting but for life you know like just tell me what to do you know um because she was so clear and so um sure Of things that it was comforting it was like when she was your friend or when she was your director it was like somebody had the reins and um that's what felt like was gone when when she passed so shockingly suddenly it was like well well what do i do (laughs) what do i um who's gonna direct me in life you know i mean other than the people in my family but she was really like a in, in a strange way like um, a a north star for me in personally and professionally martha um oh, this <laughs> is
2: hard this is really hard um but i want to give her because I I I hear her voice, and I think everything you've said is so true. She's an amazing director, writer, actress, friend. Like I think for the fans who are watching, I, I was like, what can I talk about? They know her career. They've seen her on camera. They know what an amazing you know actor she was. But she'd want you to know because she still <laughs> talks to me um, about not in an ego way, not in an ego, not about her ego, but her skill level is, it was so, um, also we're so blessed. We were able to experience her as a director. I worked with her as a writer. I worked with, I've spent, I talked to her every single morning. We talked about movies and writing and, and, and how, what's good, what's, what doesn't work, why it didn't work. She's edited my scripts that I've written. And I But why didn't I see that? You know, she's an amazing script editor. She was an amazing mother. Was mother, human being, friend. But like Anne says, it's like, I talked to her every morning and I, I I, would tell her whatever was going on. And she'd be like, well, this is what you need to do. Get on the phone, go do this, go do that, go do that. we are going to call this person up right now. Now you're going to go up and see Elizabeth Hubbard this weekend. You got to go see mother. Um, so, like, it, it had that kind of. Um, it's not even shorthand. It's like um, soulmate relationship. That it was. I could think about her, and she would call, and and she would know something was wrong just by energetically, and, you know. And as the world turns, and being on the show, remembering her that first day, I just was thinking about a We had a scene together once, and I watched. I can't find it anymore. I wish I could find it on YouTube. But the whole act of the of this of the episode was act whatever. It was just the two of us talking the entire act. They don't do scenes like that on daytime anymore where two people just talk to each other for like eight minutes or nine minutes long, you know, talking to each other. It was the two of us in the hayloft at, in, 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 in about Holden probably. And I was wearing white leather boots and my hair was too big and our, her hair was big. and But the scene was so good because of her, because I was, you know, to, to be surrounded by such an incredible experienced actor, and the the skill. She wasn't mentoring you. She was you were were peers. She treated me like a peer. We were working together. I watched that scene. I was like, Oh, where did that come from? You know. But she always gave me that space to create, um, and she loved creating. You know. She she was like, Let's do it again. We'll do it this way. We'll do a different way this time. You know. And she just gave you the freedom to, to be creative. And as a, you know, as a mother, I want, I want people to understand something like, you know, you don't know us, but you do know us personally. You saw her kids and, 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 and what, what, when she was fired from as the world turns, I mean, her life, like she was, she was on her own and had to and had to be a single mom and, and raise these kids and, and, and hustle and work. And was like, it, you know, was an incredible thing to watch as a survivor and fight, you know, and kind of like keep, keep her head above water. And Michael, you were so incredible to her and, and to watch who she was in her strength as a person, how strong she was and how ballsy she was and how right she had to be about things. Cause she believed in something so much um, from a creative standpoint, was just an incredible opportunity to have as a, as a friend, as a creative, as a, uh, a mother. I mean, I mean, Michael, you're talking about visiting in the hospital. My daughter was was premature, and she was in ICU. And her, I was my hospital was a few blocks from where she lived, and and she would come pick me up after I would go see my daughter in ICU. I had to come home and pick me up and say, "I'm coming to get you. I'll take you home. You're gonna be okay." And like when I was a mess, you know, like I've been in a lot of messes. But she cleared my mess a lot of times. <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm t- eternally grateful to her for that. But you need to know what a great mother she was, not just on screen, but off screen. And and how friend. you know, you don't get those kind of people um, very often in your life. So I really, I could talk about it forever, but, you know, storyline was yeah, with Bill, like I remember that day and her with the pitchfork and how, you know, and I watched those scenes now and she's just incredible. I mean, she just... Comes from the toes to the mouth, you know, in her, in her, in her passion for it, and and oh her God. and her together too, you know, like so different, so different. And Lisa would say, "I don't go up to Liz. Liz is here. I go down here, so Liz and I can balance each other because you can't go to Liz. Liz is this is Liz, but Liz, Lisa knew how to work with Liz in a way that they were dynamic together, and they could share the screen together and be this, give you this, for the audiences these incredible scenes and relationships, mm-hmm. but. She, she she is it's, it's she's gone too soon it's it's tragic i i just anyway um
0: yeah i want to read something from a fan oakdalian uh wrote this i know that lisa first captivated daytime audiences as nola but i've always found her collaboration as iva snyder with doug marlin to be the most successful Perhaps it was largely the consistency of a writer who gave the character life for eight years, but I can't imagine anyone else bringing the depth of trauma that she did. The sadness of Iva's lost innocence was always there as the portrayal stayed consistently true to a survivor who tried to heal. It affected all of her relationships and it felt real without the usual soap opera obligation to move on and lighten up. I think Iva was the saddest character in daytime television, even after all these years. But Lisa Brown's truthful perspective made for an exhilarating experience. I hope um, that today's guests can speak to this quality. Lisa never holding back on authenticity despite Iva's enduring misery. She blossomed in the era when great writers and great actresses made magic over long periods of time.
2: That's beautiful.
3: Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: But, you know, and, and, hearing it, I mean, she would say, it has to be real. She goes, I, I don't believe it. We have to, it like, the audience needs to yeah. know every single thing she did was for the audience. She would fight and, and try to figure out what, to make it real. How You wouldn't really say that.
0: You really wouldn't. Right.
2: That. You wouldn't react that. But they felt it. You, you just read, read something that clearly yeah. she was getting
0: through. And, and I know Bill needs to leave soon. Bill, you, you, uh, got As the World Turns early in your career, a, a television show like As the World Turns. And, and can you articulate working opposite someone like Lisa so early and, and what that did and what it was like working with her? Bill, did you hear that? Bill, Bill, Bill. Oh. You lost awesome. OK, well, I want to read something about Guiding Light as well. It was not from Ali in Germany. It was 1988 when I saw The Guiding Light in Germany for the first time. The show was new for me when Burt Bauer walked into my life. She was the mother of GL, that's for sure. And for me, a mother, too. And then I saw Nola. I felt a direct, con- a direct connection to her as a big sister and me as her little brother. From episode to episode, she grew on my heart. Lisa played Nola with so much passion kindness and she put her soul and heart into nola she was not a bad person or a villain she was a soul looking for her destiny nola and kelly were the perfect couple i am so sorry that you all lost her lost her a big loss for all of you and more for me as her fan i will burn a candle for her every year Mm -hmm. mave you know what do you remember watching nola i mean with Michael Tylo and John Wesley Ship, you know, the, those, those romances in that early 80s of guiding light.
4: Well, I just wanna bring up um, Bill Warwick's name here too because Bill was somebody who, who knew theater through and through. I mean, he'd acted with Gielgud and all kinds and he was a wonderful, generous, smart man. But the thing to know was he was Lisa's absolute ugh, impassioned fan. And he and I in the mornings would sometimes sit and talk about a scene we had seen her do. So, um, and the other one thing I wanted to mention was Brian Buffington mm-hmm. who talked to me about how much he learned from Lisa. And I think everybody's touched on this with her. Um, she had tremendous self-confidence and you have to have that if you can, to be able to express your passion. But she also was very protective, as Martha and Anne have said. She was protect- protective of the best our show could be. And that's why she wanted, she, she just, w- there was somebody who said, I don't believe a sausage of it. And that was their way of saying, it's not true. Don't do it. That's, that's what Lisa was about. So um, I've totally forgotten what you
0: asked me, Alan. That's okay. I'm going to jump to Bill and come back to you on that, Maeve. Bill, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, good, (laughs) good, good, good. Um, I I don't know if you heard that letter uh, about Lisa and Iva, but you started World Turns at an early stage of your career, one of the first TV shows you did. What was it like having Lisa as a scene partner? And what do you think, you know, you learned having her opposite you so early in your in your beginnings. Well, you know,
5: most of, of you know what I had to do on the show and most of, of what my my journey was was working with Martha that was just so incredibly like sweet and just just absolutely beautiful. And equally beautiful with Lisa, but with Lisa it was like get on your toes. Because we got an intense scene today, and I'm going after you, Phil. Um, <laughs> I was—I remember one day she looked at me. And she's like, I, "I had a pair of like headphones on because I just wanted to tune out everything that was going on in the in the on the stage." And she walked by me, and she like signaled to me, and I popped a headphone out. And she goes, "You don't need those," and I'm like, "Actually, I do." Um, so. That was Lisa. It was like bring your A game because I love this storyline, Bill, and I'm going after you, and for all the right reasons. And that was always that was that that was the joy. I mean, you know, I put your boots on when I had you know when when it was scenes with Lisa uh, because it wasn't going to be you know anything else but full tilt. Um, and and I have very fond memories of of, uh, dynamics that we spent between the three of us, Martha, you know, um, you know, because it was just, I, I there was a, a sweetness of discovering this relationship that, uh, that, that I have this daughter and, and, and at the same time being challenged by the mom going, you know, she's not yours. She's mine. And, you know, sometimes with Lisa, it was like, I'm just letting you know that it's a character. I'm also letting you know that in other ways as well. So,
7: <laughs> well, and, and can not I, only can I just interject one thing, yeah. uh, unrelated, but it's just, so Martha, that means that this is before my time. So, that means that Bill is Rose's father, too. <laughs> yes. That's blowing <laughs> my mind. That's <laughs> how <laughs> <Well, laughs>
2: so sad yeah. I to think about it for a second.
0: but but, but not only that you were dealing with um rape at that time you were dealing with adoption you know on top of performing you know what was being written you were dealing with some incredibly heavy issues that were resonating with fans in very different ways you know many fans who you know sadly have experienced rape and others who you know with adoption um you know that's that's powerful, too, you know, the three of you being thrust together, telling such a socially conscious story.
2: Yeah, and you felt it. I mean, I, I'll never forget that. With
0: Lucky Land slots, you can get
4: lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
4: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
5: No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a
8: guest registry. take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
7: with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
2: be emotionally you know that was a good day at work right like you got get in your car and you just want to take a nap because you, you you left it all on the stage you know <laughs> it's all there and um and doug wrote those scenes you know doug actually penned those scenes for us which was you know, back in that time he was you know we had a, such a big staff of writers and but he when he has when he had scenes that he wanted to really make sure they hit home he, he would sit down and just you know focus and write them for for us and and um That was one of those those group of scenes, and we did them in the afternoon. I think Maria Wagner was directing, Um, but yeah, I mean, to have something like that still talked about so long, so to this day, that's Lisa. I mean, it's she was the remember she's the center. You know, Bill and I were kind of our characters didn't know what the heck was going on, so she was been playing this role, knowing and 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 having to, you know, be the catalyst for that explosion. and come in at level 10. Like, you know, she started at level 10. Where do you go from there? But she mm-hmm. just maintained it the whole time. And it got worse and worse and more painful and painful. And, and,
0: and thanks so God we have.
2: Around, when she turns around, she goes, she's your daughter. You're like, I mean, I can't watch it to, to this day. Because I'm like, yeah. oh, she just put it. She was defeated. You know, like she yeah. had no, she couldn't hide it anymore. You know, and people still talk about that scene to this day. It was, I'm, I'm 50. How old am I? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Okay. Well, that, I was 16 years old or 16 years old at the time, you know, and yeah. I'm not that now. So it's like the people to still talk about it and and, and be. Have and and
0: we are so lucky to have that on YouTube and Maeve seen in the dress on YouTube because people watch them over and over again. Maeve, I was asking about, you know, watching, uh, you know, Nola was thrust between John Wesley. Uh, and speaking of. John Wesley hey. hi guys
8: I'm sorry I'm late I I just got in from Vancouver and I got Pacific
0: time that that's okay time. give me one second Bill I think you have to go correct I do I do Bill, hi to- I'm
5: so
8: glad I got to see you
5: <laughs> Hi. Here. hi. I, I'm, I'm. apologies for having to leave it's a pleasure to see all of you continue on talk about this amazing lady as I know you are and um God, God bless her. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I, I shared moments in my life with with Lisa Brown.
1: Bye and be well. Bye-bye. Bye, Bill. Take thanks, care.
0: So, thanks so much, um, John. I'm going to just quickly. I read this just a minute ago, but I'm going to just read a, an excerpt. Um, it's from a fan in Germany. From episode to episode, Lisa grew on my heart. Lisa played Nola with so much passion, kindness, and she put her soul and heart into Nola. She was not a bad person or villain. She was a soul looking for her destiny. Nola and Kelly were the perfect couple. What what do you remember about first meeting Lisa, John?
8: As I understand it, she first auditioned for the role of Morgan. Mm -hmm. And she was so uh, outstanding that Doug created the role of Nola for her around that voice, the husky quality of her voice or sort of... Deborah Winger-esque kind of uh, uh, quality. Um, The thing, that's a beautiful tribute that that person wrote and you can tell it's written in hindsight because in real time, Lisa Brown went full tilt boogie in creating a character that was the most resented and hated young character in daytime TV in 1980 81. I mean, she did not shrink one iota from her manipulation, her machinations, her undercutting of Kelly and Morgan's relationship, the getting pregnant by Floyd, lying to Kelly. Hmm. Kelly's and Brickham more. everyone wanted Kelly and Morgan together because that's what head writer Douglas Marlin told them to want, you know, in his storytelling. But the the amazing thing for me, and I'll never forget it, was At the crux climax of that story, when Nola's coming, Kelly has broken up with Morgan. They're going to run away and get married. She has her suitcase. She arrives at Ed's patio. And I don't think they've... I know if they've ever done this before, but the first 22 minutes of Guiding Line were me and Lisa because the fan base had waited for Nola to get her comeuppance for a long time. And the Mail was extraordinary. The energy behind the mail, you know, but the extraordinary uh, Harry Eggert was directing and he basically said, I'll put one camera on you, John. I'll put one camera on you, Lisa. I'll have a two shot. Go at it. Now this is after weeks and weeks of everybody fashioning a script because we were on writer strike. So there were all these clandestine, you know, phone calls. There were we were having a lot of input. Lisa would come over to my apartment. We would work on things. You know, it would be like, I don't know if that's really what I want to say. Well, what if I said this? Well, what I well, hey, uh uh deep throat, uh what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> What do you think about that? Uh, well, um, uh, I think Deep Throat would think, you know, and <laughs> it was a thrilling, exciting time. Now, about Lisa, what she accomplished in that 22 minutes, I will never forget. She took one of the most resented and reviled char- young characters in daytime, at a time when we were getting primetime numbers, right? Um And she took her from being one of the most resented characters to absolutely breaking your heart with her vulnerability. So that by the end of that scene, she had turned that character 180 degrees. And I don't care how much you had resented, how many people had written in and said, I hate Noel. I can't wait until she gets hers. At the end of it, when a Y-O, walk out that door and she says don't go Kelly please don't go don't go like you know and she leans her head back and the tears are coming and you see the girl from the other side of the tracks who just was trying to make her dream come true and in that instant she turned the whole thing around I don't know a whole lot of actors who could do that
0: July 31st, 1981, supposedly, is the date that that show aired. Somebody just wrote, Kaylee wrote. Um, you, You worked with her at such an early point in your career. What, I mean, and just describing that, what do you think you learned from her?
8: Well, I think we were all learning from each other. You know, it was right at the dawn of a lot of our careers. Kevin Bacon was my... Dressing room (laughs) mate at the beginning, as he played Tim. Uh, Daytime is so unique that way. I went on the uh, at the end of my guiding light to play a story opposite Julianne Moore and Stephen Weber. Weber, you know, so a lot of people were daytime. Also written by Douglas. Also written by Douglas Marlin. How lucky am I, you know? Um, But I, 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 the thing that I remember about those days was. For, uh the young people's storyline it was the youth revolution in daytime right it was a new way of telling daytime drama for uh a mainstream audience a mass audience reaching more 22 million viewers a week reaching more viewers than you know I mean my god if the hits of today were able of course we have 300 channels now you know but but it was like, we were all so excited because it was the outset of our career. We were on daytime. It was, it was, the degree of recognizability almost destroyed my brother's wedding in Richmond, Virginia, because I got so much attention. That's how many people were watching daytime TV in those days. But each and every person involved in that storyline, and certainly Lisa was 100% committed to finding the truth of these people behind whatever we were given to do. And nobody more full throttle or more dedicated and committed to Lisa, who also had a grand sense of humor about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Another thing I'll say quickly is that one way she amazed me was, she would be going into um, one of the most emotional scenes. And we had this iconic stage manager, Locke Wallace, you know, and he was always writing song lyrics. And so he'd come around the flat, you know, and suddenly he goes, and the day in day and all the day. Let me just say, it's gonna be quite a day. And five, four, three, two. <laughs> and you're like, action. Well, Lisa would be engaging with him and laughing. It takes me a while to work into something like that. And she would turn from here, and she would turn from here, and she would be a completely different person, completely in it. And her emotions accessible right up here. It's the most amazing way of working that I've one of the most amazing ways that I've worked with in my forty-two year career.
0: Wow. Maeve, were you gonna say something earlier? Cause I did see you you had put your hand up. Um Maeve. <laughs> oh my. God. How are you? <laughs> good to see
4: you. I know. <laughs> Can this be real? Can this be true? <laughs> um, it, it was just a silly little interjection, but it, it it we've talked so much about her strength and her power and her passion. but also there was underneath it, and there was sadness there too, a lot of all kinds of feelings. But there was also this relish and and zest and delight in it. And sometimes when we would have a scene and we would be uh, rehearsing and then we'd look at each other, it was almost like being two kids who'd say, want to fight? You know, that whole thing.
3: <laughs> Let's go. Um,
4: and she, she never lost that. I, I felt through all um, all the things that life brought away, she, ne- she never lost that, um, which is amazing it it, you can't say it's grittiness because it it wasn't just that grittiness is so sort of grim and it wasn't just that so um i think she brought that kind of excitement to all her acting partners everybody's kind of talked about it a little bit um so that was all
0: well and i think it was amazing you know to the the you know uh john talked about you know she was breaking up kelly and morgan you know she had this rivalry with you that that I didn't remember. I mean, I knew it started back then. I knew, you know, when you were with, you know, um, when she was with Quint, but then it continued when Matt came along, you know, mm-hmm. like it, the writers continued that rivalry all those years
6: later as mm-hmm. well.
4: Yep. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm done. Thanks.
6: Yeah, Pat, Patrick. I just was reminded by what John and Maeve were talking about that um, after I started on Guiding Light and had been there a while, I. I don't know, I used to do volunteer things like talk to college and high school classes about writing, about writing plays, about writing for soap operas. And I was in this college class and uh, they had all these extra people show up that weren't in that weren't that were weren't auditing, weren't registered in the class, but they just showed up because I was there from Guiding Light. And it was like these college girls saying, we will each offer you probably 20 of them. We will each offer you $200 for if you make Nola fall down the stairs and die. <gasps> <laughs>
8: wow.
6: But after the scene, John Chip just talked about those girls didn't want that anymore.
8: And you all, I'm sure you've mentioned the letter that Betty Davis wrote. To Guiding yeah. Light, to Elvira Rousseau, who's saying, tell Lisa Brown, because Lisa was playing Betty Davis in these wonderful flashbacks. Oh, that's she fun. said, tell Lisa she's got the stuff, kid.
4: Oh, wow. And, and didn't that's she get a wonderful letter? Right didn't she get a wonderful letter from Fred Astaire as well? Yeah, she the, did.
8: Doug tried to get Fred Astaire. Of course, Fred Astaire was older than this. Time. He said, if I could just get him mm-hmm. in a pool of light, to just turn and extend a hand oh God. to uh, to Nola and have her take his hand—that's all I would ask of him. But he wasn't, didn't feel like he was up to doing that at that point.
6: And John, do you remember? Amazing that in, in the summers of the the youth summers that we had, that Jennifer Holiday from Dream Girls came on oh, the yeah. show, and the B 52s the B52 like
8: Collins. I put my hand through a plate glass window, had to have my thumb reattached. Judy Collins signed my cast. Absolutely.
6: <laughs> I forgot about that too.
8: But I remember Ashford and Jennifer, Simpson.
6: Jennifer Holliday just wanted yours and Nola's uh autographs. Remember? <laughs> she wasn't famous to herself, but you guys were.
8: Oh my goodness. It was it really was amazing. Another funny story. I had I had right at the beginning I had done personal appearances and you know at malls and stuff and and, and for the show and and the one I had done like three to five thousand people showed up and it was crazy and Marsha Clark and I went to Altoona Pennsylvania and they only got CBS in clearly so we were like major stars because it was their only channel, and so this inc- thousands of people at one point started to press in, and security had to get us out because we were being pressed up against a wall. It was so. I'm preparing Lisa, right? You got to be ready because we were doing this three city tour with CBS publicity, and I said because it's going to be intense, it's going to be. <laughs> I forgot what city was first on the tour. We arrived, and there was nobody there. And we're looking around. I've given her this huge buildup. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, John, I really see. What-. So we started walking around to the shops and introducing ourselves. <laughs> then we got to Memphis, and it was off the hook. And then we got to Virginia Beach, and it was everything that I had told her told her that it would be. But uh, that was so funny. I gave her this great big buildup, and we're like, Loved us in indianapolis or wherever it was
0: john before uh the show ends do do you have a favorite memory personally or professionally working with lisa
8: um I, i want to share something somebody just wrote me on social media and said they found out that we were doing this today and they said i forget how their mother was in the studio or if she had been uh, an, an under five or an extra on the uh, on the thing but she said that the mother related how lisa in between her guiding light scenes was practicing her practicing her tap dancing in the in the rehearsal hall so you you'd hear lisa she's tapping away well then they came back to new york and went to see 42nd street and it happened they didn't realize it that lisa brown was doing the lead on Broadway in 42nd Street. And I've done that gig. I've done a Broadway show and a soap opera at the same time. It is exhilarating and it is backbreaking, but the something about that, you know, this Ruby Keeler-Hoofer in there, you know, in between doing her, you know, Nola Reardon scenes. I When I think of Lisa, because it's been sent to me so many times, it's when me and Tommy and Lisa went the top 10 favorite scenes in the history of guiding light and our confrontation. I I will play that at the end being one of them. And just, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll remember that road trip with Lisa and, uh, and I'll remember the climax of our story after she left, became with Quint, our stories, diverged and I didn't have as much contact with her but those early young raw we were all so vulnerable personally and as Maeve said as uh committed as she was to playing the bad girl there was always underneath a vulnerability and a hopefulness about the character and in herself that allowed her to make that Amazing change, you know, into all the young people's favorite character. Mm. You know, I love that, Martha. <laughs> I'm so glad, to, Martha. I I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> you too. I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> we were we were there. Hi, hi, Anne. I don't I don't <laughs> I, know if we've met, but it's good to meet you. Good
7: to good meet time. you too, and I love hearing your your stories about. You know. Our Lisa. Lisa. Let's not forget yeah.
2: that Lisa was also almost six months pregnant doing Forty Second Street. And yes. That, and they finally said, "All right, now the dress just can't. We can't cover that anymore." She probably <laughs> went right up to the ninth month and said, and then right back to two weeks later. But yeah, no, this is this is the the, the there's no. When you talk about professionalism, she she one of her favorite things to be like, "That's not professional." Like she was like, you know, like. <laughs> this is how you behave and this is how you don't behave in this industry. And she was, it was so um, talking about teaching, but just her level, she showed you by, by showing you, she was teaching you that how you, how you behave and how you, you know, approach every situation in this industry from behind the scenes, in front of the camera, you know, how you deal with crew, crew loved her. She was so respectful of everybody in the crew and loved the crew. And, you know, just, it was always a collaborative effort, you know, it wasn't about her. Um, But, you know, when you're talking about tap dancing and how she was always tap dancing, she was always, you know, and I had, when she passed, I've had several dreams about her since she passed. And one of the first dreams I had about her she was dancing down like, it wasn't 40 seconds, she was like over by um, the Pan Am building and she was, her hair was She was kicking and dancing, walking down, so I'm like, okay, well she's kicking and she's dancing and I hope she's at peace. Um, but I have had a few couple of dreams about her which have been very powerful and very uh, comforting um, about her and her passing because it was so tragic and so fast and so difficult. Um, you know what she went through in the last couple of weeks of her life so I pray that she's at peace and she's a grandma three times last month so
8: amazing. Isn't that amazing amazing I mean
2: she she I know she wasn't there but she was there you know her daughter her son and her stepson all had babies within the last couple of weeks so you know buddy and and Victoria and just you know I, I send them just send them your love and your and your support and and uh you know keep them in your thoughts but um she, she was, she uh, was, like I said, she's there, but she's not, you know, she's not there, you know. So um, this has been so nice. I mean, I'm sure she would be thrilled that you're all here and um, we must honor her, we must honor her. She's an well, amazing person. Oh,
0: absolutely. And, and we're, we're going, uh, you know, I, I will say thank you to all of you for stopping by and everybody tuning in. I'm going to play a little montage of Lisa's work on Guiding Light and As the World Turns. Michael, Martha, Patrick, Maeve, and, Hi, Patrick.
7: and John. Hi, Thank you.
0: Thank you so much all for Michael, being here. Michael, Thank you. Stay well, everybody.
7: You
0: Thank you, Ellen. <laughs>
9: cow. Where did you get that dress? You take it off! No, you take your dress off. I'm going out there like two-thirds of the Andrews sisters. You got another thing coming. You take that dress off now! It's my engagement party, Vanessa. You take the dress off. Well, fine. You just do whatever you want. But I'm getting out there first, and it's going to be my entrance. There. Oh. oh! Sorry, I slipped! Oh, you little victim!
1: You no, I give you this ring as a symbol of the promise of my unending love. Quentin.
9: I give you this ring as a symbol of the promise of my unending love.
8: By the powers vested in me, I
9: now pronounce you husband and wife you may kiss the bride
1: You know, it's very funny. What? You and I out here on the swing when we have a whole house full of guests.
9: Well, I think they can, uh, I think they can wait a couple minutes without us, you know? Oh my God! Oh my God! Let go! Let go, go Raven!
3: She's your baby! What did you say? Are you okay, Lily?
9: Are you okay? Did he hurt you? No, are you okay? You did
5: not hurt me. I am fine. I was upset about Craig. I'm fine. He didn't do this to me. You said she's my baby. Lily, get out of here. This Lily, is it the child here. you had, oh, no. isn't oh, Lily, it? Lily,
9: Please go. This go. is answer me. Go. It no, was Lily, go. wasn't it? Oh, Lily. oh my
5: God! Everything is suddenly starting to make sense. What's this? What was you are you
3: talking about? Out of here! I got to go. No! 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 Oh my God! I'm it to tell the
5: truth, and this time, no lies. Oh,
4: What truth? What is he talking about? It is too
5: late to turn back now. Now, either you tell her
9: or I will. Mama, can I ask you to do me a favor? What's that? Could you help me convince Lily to go home? I mean, you know, Mrs. Walsh must be lonely and, and having Lily there might help her recuperate. I don't know.
6: Julie and her mother are having a lot of problems.
9: Oh, but they can't solve their problems if you know she's staying here listen i'll, I'll talk to her when she gets up this morning thanks uh, well
6: doesn't anybody care about what lily wants well
9: sometimes holden we don't always know what's best for us i mean i think that a child should be with her mother you know the mother who raised her come on let's go okay here fitness. see you later bye on, now eat some lunch i will be here without any breakfast holden really
8: hello welcome to the 50th anniversary week at guiding light I'm Tom Nielsen, and I played Floyd Parker.
9: And I'm Lisa Brown, and I played Nola Reardon.
8: I'm John Wesley Shipp, and I played Kelly Nelson. We are here
9: by popular demand
8: to present to you, the guiding light audience, one of the most requested scenes
9: that you, the fans, wanted to see again.
8: To set the stage, I should tell you that Floyd loved Nola.
9: Nola was pregnant with Floyd's child. She loved Kelly and told him that she was carrying his baby.
8: Now, Kelly had agreed to go to Las Vegas to marry Nola.
9: Nola was there with suitcase in hand, and then Kelly let Nola know that he knew that she was lying. She denied it, but to no avail.
8: So that's where we join this scene. Oh, I feel sorry for you. God,
9: I feel sorry for you. I don't want your sympathy, and I don't want your pity. Oh, no, you don't. <gasps> no! Well, I think it's pretty damn generous of me to be able to feel sympathy for someone who almost ruined my life and my chances for happiness with Morgan. Oh, yeah. oh I hate that name.
8: Well, now, how about that? Well, think of all the time and energy you wasted trying to convince her you were her best friend. Lord, Nola, have you never felt an honest feeling for anybody?
9: For you? You? All the feelings that I've had for you are honest.
8: That is the sickest lie
9: of them all. Everything that I did Was because I loved you Because that I loved you and because I wanted to prove to you that I could make you happy
8: Including ruining my life And my chances to be happy with Morgan
9: Well, Kelly, why don't you just go back to her, Uh, why don't you just go, go to her and, and see if she can make you happy?
8: That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what else, Nora. I'm gonna get down on my knees and i'm gonna beg for her forgiveness if i have to
9: for getting involved with you now, now kelly look look kelly you can't go like this We're... please don't I guess nola got hers
8: and floyd finally got to see his daughter and kelly married morgan
9: and nola married quint it wasn't that easy but that's what happened
8: thank you for asking to see that clip of game and for making 50 years of guiding light possible it's so bad
9: oh,
1: that
3: doesn't talk. can i do anything no oh, the place looks good oh i think it looks better when we <laughs> oh my ah! oh! Yes.
9: Oh, of oh. course, of course. We just wanted to stop by to make sure you, you didn't burn the blaze down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. How's Peter? Oh, delicious. He's an orientation at Springfield View. Oh, my gosh. he's so big and grown up. Uh, Heart would be so proud. Yeah. <laughs> you now we just have to make sure Matt's okay. And this, you know, whole Vanessa thing. Well, it's really good that he's family. Okay,
8: yeah. look,
5: we
1: I, we can't hang around. we got a wedding to go. Come on. Ready. Ready. Come on, come on, come on. come
9: on, come on.